Hello, and welcome to Notes in the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that provides insights on the markets and the economy to help you stay informed in the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Asset Management. Today is July 24th, 2023. The pandemic was my excuse to abandon piano lessons. It wasn't that I wouldn't practice or that I didn't enjoy pounding away in the keyboard. The problem was that my piano teacher, Tatiana, is a perfectionist. She wanted me to get it exactly and precisely right. And so I practiced the same piece over and over. She would smile as I did my lessons, but it was a strained and pathetic smile as the masterpieces that she had loved from her childhood were mangled, tortured and slowly murdered in a most grisly fashion by yours truly. Finally, I couldn't do it to her anymore, and I used the pandemic as a way out. I will say that Tatiana had a right to her perfection. She was, after all, the only victim of it. The same cannot be said for the Fed and its quest for the perfect 2% inflation rate. The week ahead will be a busy one for investors, with earnings reports throughout the week, a GDP report on Thursday, and inflation numbers on Friday in the form of the personal consumption deflators. However, markets will be most focused on Wednesday's Federal Reserve meeting. Fed officials have heavily telegraphed their actions, and as of this morning, futures markets are pricing in a 94% shot of another 25 basis point rate hike, boosting the federal funds rate to a range of 5.25% to 5.5%. However, investors will closely scrutinize the language in the statement and at Chairman Powell's press conference to assess where the Fed goes from here. Most likely, the Fed will still convey a hawkish message. In their statement, they may feel compelled to admit that inflation has fallen, However, they are likely to warn of additional policy firming that may be appropriate to return inflation to 2% over time. One key phrase to watch out for in the statement is whether the Fed expresses uncertainty about the extent of additional policy firming that may be appropriate, as they did in their June meeting, or the extent to which additional policy firming may be appropriate, as they did at their May meeting. A return to the May language would be interpreted as a dovish signal. However, while the Fed has provided occasional dovish signals over the past year, they've generally become ever more strident in insisting that they reach their 2% inflation goal. This perfectionism is a little strange given how much inflation has already fallen, with the seasonally adjusted year-over-year CPI inflation rate dropping from 8.9% in June 2022 to 3.1% a year later. It's also a little absurd. While high and unpredictable inflation is clearly an economic negative, Once inflation is mild and steady, there's very little reason to believe that the economy operates more efficiently at 2% inflation than, say, at 1% or at 3%. Most importantly, it is dangerous, since the Federal Reserve cannot forecast how all aspects of the US economy will react over time to a sudden hike in short-term interest rates to over 5% after nearly 15 years of close to 0% rates. However, the economy and markets are now at the mercy of inflation perfectionists. And so it's important to consider the path inflation could take to the Fed's very precise goal. While the Fed's official inflation target pertains to the headline personal consumption deflator, the most widely reported U.S. inflation index is the Consumer Price Index for all urban consumers, commonly known as CPIU or CPI. In June 2022, seasonally adjusted year-over-year CPI inflation hit a more than 40-year high of 8.9%. Since then, it has declined for 12 straight months falling to 3.1% by this June. Going forward, a look at the major inflation components suggests it will move sideways the rest of the year and then slowly down in 2024. 
In particular, food prices should be relatively steady, reflecting a decline in the global food commodity price, price index since the early days of the Ukraine war, fewer supply chain issues impacting grocery stores, and an income squeeze on lower and middle-income households that is limiting demand. Energy prices should also be steady, as rising U.S. petroleum and natural gas production offsets declines in output from OPEC and Russia, and the global economy experiences only moderate growth. Core goods prices should be steady to down, reflecting fewer supply chain issues and improved inventories. Core services inflation will remain high for a while due to a lag decline in the growth of rent and owner's equivalent rent, as well as high inflation in transportation services, reflecting prior spikes in new car prices. Importantly, however, both of these areas of inflation have begun to fall from high levels. Wage pressures have eased over the past 15 months, with the year-over-year -year gain in average hourly earnings for production workers dropping from 7% in March 2022 to 4.7% in June of 2023. Despite this, cost pressures from higher wages will likely slow the inflation decline. But that being said, we expect year-over-year -year CPI inflation to drift down to 2.8% by December 2023 and 2.0% by December 2024. As mentioned, earlier, <clears throat> as mentioned earlier, however, the Federal Reserve does not regard CPI as its primary inflation target. Rather, as it reaffirms every January in its statement on longer-run goals and monetary policy strategy, it is trying to achieve 2% inflation as measured by the annual change in the price index for personal consumption expenditures, most commonly known as a PCE deflator. So where is that headed? First, it should be noted that PCE inflation tends to be lower and steadier than inflation as measured by the CPI. The very high inflation of the last two years amplify these differences and is probably not representative of where we go from here. However, in the 20 years before the pandemic, the average annual PCA infl PCE inflation rate was 1.85% compared to 2.17% for CPI, or 0.32% cooler. So how is PCE inflation different from CPI inflation? One part of the difference is due to the type of index used and revolves around the question of substitution effects. In broad terms, the CPI index is a fixed-weight index based on a basket of goods and services bought by consumers, with the weights assigned to particular goods and services once a year based on survey data. While this sounds reasonable, it tends to overstate inflation since, if the price of some item soars relative to something else, consumers will tend to substitute away from it. If the price of beef surges, people will likely buy less beef and more chicken. The PCE deflator is a chain-weighted index which, in which weights are based on an average of the old basket of goods and services before prices changed and a new basket after prices changed. Although this is hard to estimate with precision and can only be calculated with a slight lag, it is a better reflection of the true impact of inflation on consumer welfare. It should also be noticed that there are differences in the scope of the CPI and PCE indices. In general, the CPI measures the out-of-pocket costs faced by consumers, while the PCE deflator measures the change in the cost of goods and services consumed by households. This makes medical care much more important than the PCE deflator because it includes medical expenses paid for by businesses, via health insurance, and by the government. It also means that housing is proportionately less important in the PCE index than in the CPI. However, even with these differences, and some variation in original source data, it is relatively straightforward to forecast PCE inflation once we know CPI inflation for a month. We expect the June PCE data due out this Friday, which shows seasonally adjusted increases of one-tenth of a percent month over month and 3.0% year over year, compared to 0.2% and 3.1% in the CPI data released on July 12th. 
Looking further out, we expect PC inflation to drift down to 2.7% year-over-year by December of this year, falling below the Fed's target of 2% by next April, and then reaching 1.7% year-over-year by December 2024. At his press conference on Wednesday, Chairman Powell may refer to some other measures of inflation, including core PC and core PC services X housing However, we expect both of these numbers to show also a moderating trend. Going forward, while there's plenty of uncertainty about whether or when the economy will enter recession, the economy does seem headed to the 2% inflation target to which the Fed aspires. We believe the Fed will probably recognise this in the months to come, and despite a dot plot that shows two more rate hikes this year, including this week's, on balance we think this week's increase may end up being the final one for this cycle. That being said, the Fed is unlikely to cut rates this year unless the economy falls into a significant recession. For 2024, the Fed's dot plot currently shows the federal funds rate falling by 1%. However, this pace of rate cuts may understate the Fed easing in 2024. First, as noted earlier, the economy may well achieve 2% consumption to face inflation by next spring. Second, as that happens, the economy may well get into trouble. Perfectionism, when targeting inflation, is a luxury. If the economy slides into recession or sees a major financial market slump or is hit by some big exogenous shock, the Fed may change its mind and decide that close enough is good enough on inflation. Either way, if the Federal Reserve raises rates as expected this week, odds are they will be in the middle of cutting them a year from now. And investors should make sure that they are positioned not just for lower inflation, but also for lower interest rates in 2024. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.